Well, since Brother Kerry uh, mentioned about my surgery, let me just kind of, uh, some of you have known and not all of you have known, I do have scheduled surgery tomorrow. And uh, you know what's very touching is to have people come up, so what time is that surgery? And it's 2.50. And I know that means you're going to be praying at 2.50. And I, I am very moved by that. Thank you so very much. Um, my life will change for a little while. I'll be uh, Napoleon for several weeks. Um, I'll have my, I won't have my hand over my heart. I'm going the other way. So, um, I'm not in, planning on going anywhere, but life will be a little different for a few weeks. But it made me um, re be reminded of something. Just in case the day ever happens that you have to find a different pastor here, uh, you might remember this. It's simply uh, an application that was sent in to a bishop from a particular preacher. And uh, so when he got to the bishop, the bishop said, so Mose, do you, do you know the Bible? He said, yes, sir. I know the book from kiver to kiver. I know it from generations to revolutions. He said, well, okay. Um, so... What book do you like the best? He said, oh, I like the book of parables. Oh, okay. The book of parables, huh? He said, yeah. So which parable do you like the best? He said, oh, I like the one about the Good Samaritan. He said, okay, can you quote it? He said, oh, yes, sir. He said, there was a certain man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And the thorns grew up and choked him. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father's house. So he got up and started back to his father's house and met the queen of Sheba. And she gave him 40 changes of raiment and a horse and a chariot, and he rode away rejoicing. But on his way, he caught his hair in a limb of a tree, and there he hung for many days. But his wife, Delilah, came along and cut his hair, and he fell down to the stony ground. He got up and went and hid himself in a cave, and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Then he started uh, on to his father's house and saw old Jezebel sitting up in the window, all painted up and her hair all frizzed up. And she laughed at him. He said, throw her down. And they threw her down, and he said, throw her down again. And they threw her down again. He said, well, throw her down some more. And they threw her down 70 times seven. <laughs> and picked up 12 baskets full of fragments. He said, so now I ask you, brethren, whose wife shall she be in the day of judgment? <laughs> so you might be careful about what applications you take. <laughs> Oh my, it's good to laugh. I want you to turn with me to uh, Psalms 113. Something that we've already been uh, participating in today, a thing called praise. This thing called praise is so important in every aspect of our life. Praise for many of us that are spirit-filled, Pentecostal, full gospel type people, we, we understand about praise to at least some level. 
However, I want to make sure that we don't just reduce praise to a Sunday morning experience or a limited experience of any kind to understand that praise really needs to be central in our life. When you go to the Psalms, Psalms 113 through 118, again, I'm always trying to give instruction in these areas because for a lot of us, we do devotional Bible reading, but to understand some of the structure and the the strength behind it, these are known as the Hallel, the praise. They're read at certain times of the year in, uh, in the Jewish community, designed to set the mind and set the heart and, and to do it religiously, to do it faithfully, to do it consistently. How many of us have learned we, there are certain things that we don't just automatically do. We need to help ourselves to make sure we remember to do it the right way. Some of us do well in one area. Some do better in another area. If you're one that's prone not to do something, you reinforce yourself Many of us know what it is to set alarms, and not just to wake us up, but you, you might be with somebody, you might be eating dinner, or you might be eating lunch, you might be at a ball game, and all of a sudden you hear a ringer go off, and oh, it's time for me to take my medicine. Just different tools that we use to remind us. Well, the Hillel is all about that. If you'll stand with me as we read God's Word, I'm just going to read Psalms 113, the first three verses. Those of you streaming with us, Feel free to stand as well. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Can you do that right now? Just by simply saying, praise the Lord. Lord. Say it again. Praise the Lord. Lord. One more time. Praise Praise the Lord. Lord. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. He goes on in that psalm and says, who is like our Lord who sits on high? Who is like our God? There is no God like our God. Who is like him? Who can can be measured at his stature, his majesty? No one. When it comes to the Hebrew language and all through the Old Testament, three different words are common speaking about these things that we can do toward God. We understand Barak. And that means to bless the Lord. Hallel means to praise the Lord. Yada means to give thanks unto the Lord. And we exercise those things as Christian believers at times. We find ourselves giving thanks before we eat a meal. At times, we're doing a yada. At times, when the pastor asks to say praise the Lord, we are involved in a hallel. There are times that you are in your devotion time and you're, you're reading and, and you're just beginning to whisper a prayer in your spirit. You're barocking the Lord. You're blessing the Lord. You're honoring him. Again, Jesus taught us in this model prayer, our heavenly father, hallowed be thy name. 
That is Barak. We bless his holy name. All these things are integral to our experience. We need to make sure that they're there and to increase them. And to, and if we're, we're for an individual, like, you know, I don't do that real well. I stay so busy at work. I stay so busy with the kids. I'm busy with my schedule. And by the time I sit down to do a devotion at night, before I know it, I fall off to sleep. Many of us struggle with things like that. So we have to come back. What am I going to do to improve that? What can I do? When it comes to praise... If you look at it in the dictionary, here's what you'll find. It says, it is an act. It is an act of expressing approval. It is an act of expressing admiration. The operative word there is act. There's action. I mean to be deliberate. One of the grace life words we use is to be intentional. I intend to praise the name of the Lord. I intend to do that. It is an act of worship. In that action, I am expressing my heart. Many times in corporate worship, you'll hear me just exhort you a little bit. Don't just think your praise. What do I say? Speak your praise. Speak to the mountain that it may be cast into the sea. This importance to realize, again, it's, it's one thing to meditate upon the Lord. And yes, that is a Christian term, meditation. It's important. It's, it's, it's valid. It's healthy. But there's also this act of expression. Again, when we're with a loved one, if it's that romantic partner, do you want them just to think about how much they love her? Or do you like hearing from them, I love you? Anybody? Someone, that other person finally says, do you love me? Well, yeah, I think about it all the time. Well, would you say something? <laughs> it is an act, uh, the, uh, uh, an action. When you look, again, at definitions, it means to laud. We don't use terms like that a lot. It is to extol. In other words, it speaks about the high praises of God. There is that place to praise him to the top of our lungs, to do an air guitar, to express ourselves, knowing that it is my intention to let you know, my God, that I know you and I recognize you and I bless your holy name. I come into the quiet place, the secret hiding place, and I know that you dwell with me here. It is our tent of meeting, and we meet here, and I get to share with you my life. But I want you to know before I share any petitions or to give thanks, I just want to praise your majesty, to worship you. Again, these things are, and I wanted to put it this way, they're offerings of words. I didn't want to say it so fast that it would be lost. I want you to capture that in your mind. Because we talk about bringing monetary offerings. We talk about an offering of time and service, but an offering of words. Isn't that good? Lord, I want to bless your holy name. Let me tell you why I want to bless your holy name. I want to give you thanks for what you have done today for me. I want to thank you for what you've done 
all week long. And Lord, the times that now that I'm actually meditating and thinking about your goodness, I realize there's so many things I took for granted. But I realize now it's the end of the week and I survived it. I made it. Not only did I just make it, I have thrived this week. And I realize it didn't just happen, but I didn't necessarily take the time to thank you all the way through. And you understand me, but I also know that you appreciate the fact that I do take time to come back. Now I want to rethink and Lord, I do want to give you thanks. My child went to school this week and it's been healthy all week long. Lord, I want to thank Thank you for the meals that have been on my table all week long because there's been other times I didn't know if it was going to happen. And Lord, every bill has been paid and I want to give you thanks because you're supplying every need. Lord, I'm healthy in my body today and I want to give you thanks. Lord, I'm one that I've had headaches in the past, but I forgot it's been so long since I've had a headache. I want to give you thanks for what you are doing in my life. I want to bless your holy name. The difference that it makes in us to become more grateful. And when we learn to be grateful in the Lord, it shows and we start expressing gratitude to those closest to us. Now, the first few times we do that, they may say, all right, who abducted you and what did it do with him? But when they start learning it, you're striving you're intentional. I want to be a more grateful person. Does anybody like to be around somebody ungrateful? My hands went down real quick. <laughs> I set you up. I mean, let's get real with it. When you have done something for somebody else, and you don't necessarily expect gratitude to be expressed, but you're like, you know, this is, this is an extra special time, or you really, need, you really needed a friend at this time, and they don't have enough sense to come back and say thanks at least. Does it bother anybody else but me? And at times I think, oh my goodness, how many times have I done this to my God? It's one thing to beat yourself up. It's another thing to say, well, I want to learn from this. This blessing the Lord, praising the Lord, giving thanks unto the Lord. Psalms 149 is powerful as it expresses to us praise unto the Lord. And it begins praising the Lord for several things. But I want to draw your attention to verse 6. He says, as I praise him, he said, let the high praises of God be in our mouths and two-edged swords in our hands. Wow. This verse alone speaks to us about worship and warfare. These things that we're involved in. To understand godly worship at the same times, at times we're called to be in spiritual warfare. And sometimes they happen at the same time. To understand, again, the psalmist said in 144 and 1, Lord, you are my rock who trains my hands for war. Wow. Wow. That's going to help somebody today. Written by David, who knew war, who had learned on the battlefield, who had learned strategy, started writing the, the booklets to be passed out to other soldiers. What have you learned, David, in warfare? It is the Lord, my rock, who has trained my hands for warfare and my fingers as well. 
There are times it's hand-to-hand combat, and you've the one that's taught me how to get a hold of the enemy and to take him down. At the same time, my fingers, Lord, you've taught them to pull back the bowstring to be able to be able to make that arrow go where I've designed it to go, where it's intended to go. Lord, you've taught me those things. We learn that as believers. Let the high praises of God be in my throat. Let it come out. But you've also taught me to do warfare. You've taught me how to pray in the Spirit. You've taught me how to dwell upon your Word. You've taught me the importance of these two things. We're reminded of the story that we all know so well. If you don't know any other Bible story, we know about David and we know about Goliath. And it is exactly this right here. Maybe this is the reason it was written after the fact. Can you imagine again? I've had the privilege of being in the Valley of Elah. It isn't probably what you imagine at all. It wasn't for me. Because as we were traveling that bus, finally said, oh, well, you want to stop here? This is the Valley of Elah, huh? And it was just kind of a knoll. And there wasn't much property there between the roadbed and that knoll. And you could see this wet weather stream right there in the center. Boyd started coming alive, realizing as the big old Goliath would stand there and belch out his blasphemies, uh, it, didn't, it didn't take much at all for it to, his voice to travel because it seemed like he was already right on top of him. And all these armies surrounded into this center picture, this theater of operation where the battle was going to take place. And Goliath coming out just the day after day, defying the God of Israel and the, and the cowering of the Israeli soldiers because, again, his stature, his size, but also the close proximity. They were close enough to the battle to see it. What am I going to do? I'm trained for war, but we didn't train with something this big. And yet it took a young man to come out bringing lunch. Uber brother. And to hear Goliath out there defying God, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against my God? But it's the battle you got to recognize once again that the psalmist captures for us. He gets there finally the day of battle. Saul's tried to put his armor, of course, on David. It wouldn't fit. We know the story. But Goliath gets out there again. What are you doing, sending a dog out to me? The Bible takes the time to say that he was defying the God of Israel by the name of his gods. It was a spiritual battle that day. My gods, lowercase g, against your higher case, g, God. David is standing there with his slingshot, but it's what came out of his throat. 
You come against me with your spear and your sword and your javelin and your gods, but I come against you in the name of my God, in the name of the Lord, the Most High. This day you will bow to him, and I'm going to cut your old ugly head off because I am going into spiritual warfare correctly. He's trained my hands for war. Wow. The praise that took down the giant. Voicing the praise of God. Blessing. Baracking. You're dying. Hallelujah. The God of Israel. He will bring you down this day. He's going to use me as his instrument. But the glory belongs to him. It is the story of praise. Again, we have to remember the praise unto God when we learn to do it and exercise it. Look what it does for us. What do you mean, Pastor? When you're facing your giant, when you're facing your enemy, when you're facing your, your struggle, your challenge, when you begin praising God, you're now getting your attention upon your God instead of the circumstance. You're getting your focus upon the one that can do something about your circumstance. You're putting things in position for him to bless through you, to be able to equip you, to be able to use you in that moment. You're not battling it alone. The battle's not mine. The battle truly is the Lord's. I'm involved in it now, but I'm giving him praise and glory and honor. In myself, I am nothing, but I know with him, greater is he that is in me than this situation that I'm facing now. It may be a situation I've faced many other times before, but for some reason, the trepidation of the moment, the other things that's involved, I'm a little more nervous this time, or maybe it's the first time I've ever faced a situation it doesn't matter because it's the same God in every situation that you turn your focus upon and you say this in this moment I'm going to give you praise I'm going to give you glory I don't know how it's going to happen I don't know when it's going to happen but I know this you hear me when I pray and I know that you answer I'm trusting in you again you're going to bring the victory so again a physical battlefield Physical equipment, and yet it was the voice of David that changed the atmosphere in the situation. Somebody give the Lord praise right now. Heaven is filled with praise. Real quickly, just it's, it's like a panoramic view. In Revelation chapter 4, those that would follow dispensational thought, we realize that the church has been mentioned in the second and third chapters multiple times, and yet it is chapter 4, verse 1, as it's broken down for us today, that says that he heard a voice like a trumpet coming out of heaven. He looked up, and a door was being opened, and the voice of the Lord said, Come up hither, and I will show you these things that's going to happen hereafter. Once he was portaled to a different perspective, what he saw was the throne. When he saw the throne, he saw the four living creatures, amazing creatures. The Bible describes it enough that these different 
creatures had a different look. One looked like a lion. One looked like an eagle. One, uh, uh, again, the, the, had a face of a man. These different descriptions that are used of these creatures that are, have six wings each, but even more specifically, the eyes. Eyes in front and in back, everywhere. Outside and inside, whatever that description is meaning, we see again, and even the, the fourth creature, the ox, these four living creatures praising. And as they begin to praise, there's 24 elders. And as the praise starts erupting, the elders, it takes time to talk about them with the crowns. They just begin to bow and the, the, the glory that's being shared in that moment, the praise that's going on in the moment uh, uh, unto the Lord and just the whole arena of praise. Everybody there starts being affected by the praise from another creature, from another person going on, again, speaking again in all of these things. The praise that he witnessed there didn't just stop. Chapter 5, verse 8, once again we see the praise continuing in the heavens. <coughs> Four living creatures again, 24 elders. The elders this time, we see them with their harps. And we see them with their golden bowls filled with the, that's right, prayers of the saints. Again, there's praise going on, praise going on, praise going on. And they're singing a new song unto the Lord because you see the seals are beginning to be opened up and they're praising all oh, the that which we've heard about is happening upon the earth right now and we're singing a new song to the Lord. We, we've had this song written for some time, but it, it never had the right place, but now we can sing it because our faithful God is performing what he promised he would do for his people. Come on, somebody. There are those songs that we sing all the way through, but there are those other songs that God places in our heart. Have you been there yet? Lord, I don't know when you're going to do it. And I don't know how you're going to do it. But when it happens, I know what I'm going to sing. You see, it's because you've learned the power of praise. It isn't denial. At many times, I, 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 sometimes we get nervous. We don't know what to do. When we're in the heat of battle and we're struggling with health or we're struggling with a situation, financial pressure, our breakthrough hasn't happened yet. We, we get nervous. We don't know what to do. We don't want to do a negative confession. Somebody's there to quickly tell us, oh, you can't say it. Well, why not? It's what I'm dealing with. Come on, somebody. Denial isn't the answer. God's the answer. I know I'm making some people a little nervous right now even talking this way. The power of positive thinking. The power of positive thinking will only take you so far. Because you're still dependent on self. But it is that individual who's learned, praise God, I don't know when. It's still night and sorrow is with me. But I know some morning, there's going to be a morning that's different than the mornings I'm going through right now. <laughs> sorrow may come for the night, but there's going to be joy in the morning. And when I wake up in the morning and I realize this isn't that morning, I'm not going to stop praising him because one of these mornings, he's going to show up and he's going to show out. 
And I wake up the next morning and I'm still in the heat of battle. But God, you're still my God and you're faithful and true. So it may be tomorrow morning. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And I know when it happens, I've already got the song written. And I know what I'm going to sing unto you because there's nobody like my God. Revelation 7 and 8. Now we see the praise crescendoing throughout the heavens. And now there's a great multitude. It kind of looks like Grace Life Church. There's people from many different nations and many different tribes, but they're there collected together and they're singing praise unto the God. And something that kind of spoke to me this time, it says they are from multiple nations and multiple languages. Wow. Now I haven't been there yet and I don't know if we're all gonna learn one language or if those languages are gonna to continue to exist, but we understand every language as it's being spoken. That's pretty cool stuff right there. Your Portuguese tongue, your Spanish tongue, your English tongue, your Swahili tongue, whatever tongue it is, it may still exist in the heavenlies, but this one thing I know, God understands our praise in every language from every tribe and from every nation. And as they gather together, they start just, my God, whoo, come on somebody. And the praise that just continues reverberating there in the heavenlies. He sees these saints, they can't be numbered. And they're singing and they're in white robes. Because you see, we've moved from the seals now to the trumpets. And somebody asked me, who are these? I don't know. I hope you know. I do know. These are those who've come out of the great tribulation and they've earned a right to wear a right robe and they've got palm branches in their hands. And again, just the crescendoing again, the praising of God in that place. Revelation 11 and six, once again, the 24 elders. Every time they just, they cannot get enough of his presence. Every time we see them, they're putting their heads down again and they're casting their crowns to the Lord and they're shouting to the top of their lungs, praise unto God. Can you see those four living creatures? The closest thing we've got to it here on earth are drones. Can you imagine these drone type angels, six wings just hovering? And every time they swoop down, the 24 elders, oh, that's right, let's praise him again. And they start swooping through again. They start casting their crowns again. I don't know if they have to go over and pick those crowns up every time and the joy of putting it back on their head just so they can cast it again. But it's obvious that heaven's filled with praise and never wearies with it. You see, that's the thing about praise. We've sung songs to praise him in the good times, to praise him in the bad times, to praise him at all times, to praise him because he's worthy to be praised, to praise him for his majesty and his grandeur, to praise him for his long suffering, to praise him for his mercy that would save a wretch like me to praise him for his wisdom, to praise him because of his presence, 
to praise him for his impeccable timing. He's a very present help in times where we need him the most. He's always been there, but we didn't know how to recognize him. Oh, my. And again, the thing that just spoke to my spirit again, as Jesus taught us to pray, and we know Jesus taught in so many layers and levels. And I thought once again, if heaven is continuously filled with praise, can we not once again pray on earth as it is in heaven? Let the earth be filled with his praise. Well, the psalmist captured that because we're reminded that we praise with so many different methods. At times we're in a sanctuary and at times we have lifted hands. At times we're meditating. At times we're quoting scripture. At times uh, we're speaking in tongues. At times we're prophesying in his name. We just praise and praise and praise and praise. We learn to do it with a dance. We learn to do it with instruments. We just praise him with our minds, with our feet, with our hands, with our whole being. The psalmist in Psalms 145 says, I'm going to extol the Lord for the Lord is great and he is greatly to be praised. It's just a moment, something I've, I, I, I keep trying to train myself in new ways. Anybody with me? I don't want to ever get boring to God. I want to take him at his word. I don't want to assume I know it all. And this is one of those things where great is the Lord. Yes, I I know that, but greatly to be praised. And I've done this in my own devotion time. Lord, I don't want to just reduce that to the sanctuary or an Easter Sunday or when the choir's in place and then they're just singing it down or you got some screaming guitar reminding us that Jesus is so awesome and great and he reigns upon the earth. Lord, I want to praise you right now. I may be in the house by myself. I may be in my prayer closet, but you're still greatly to be praised. And I don't want to just think it. Lord, I want to stand before you. I want to praise you. I want to magnify you. Lord, it is the breath that you've given me that I want to give you praise in this very moment. There are times or certain songs that stay in my spirit, that stay in my heart. Some of them are antiquated songs, but I don't think they ever get old to him when they come from one of his people where I sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I've born in my spirit and I'm washed in his blood. Times I'm singing, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. He is great and greatly to be praised, to be extolled with the high praise. In 146, he goes on and says, I'm going to sing to the Lord as long as I live. I'm going to sing about his deliverance, and I'm going to sing about the food he's provided on my table. I'm going to sing about his goodness. I'm going to sing about the healing he's brought into my life. 
He went on in Psalms 147 and he got singing about the healing that he's received in his body over the years, the different experiences. You've, you've healed my heart when it was broken, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. How many needs healing right now in your, a broken heart? He's the one that does it. It may be what a child has done to you, your own flesh and blood. It, 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 it may be a husband, a wife. It may be a parent. It may be a friend that's betrayed. Lord, my, I'm brokenhearted. I can't heal myself. But would you heal my broken heart one more time? I'm going to give you praise for it. I'm going to praise you. And this is where the psalmist took the time and said, I got to remind myself just how great you are. You are the one that created every star. When I lived in Arizona, that's, that's one of the things that stayed before me. Those skies out there, you don't have near the, in, in the valley floor there, you don't have the tall trees and you're able to see that incredible sky. And as that sun begins to set, oh my, the dust in the atmosphere just going heavenward and it just starts magnifying and it just becomes like an electric blanket. But then you wait for it to get dark and the heavenly host just shows up. The starry host shows up. And been many a night where I've just gone out in the backyard by myself, walking the dog or whatever else, and just look up and say, My goodness, oh my goodness, how great is my God. For he is the one that created every star. Every one of them he knows by name. And if he took the time to name every star, he knows me and he knows my situation and he's worthy to be praised again. It reminds me of how high he is and how incredible he is. Yeah. 148, he begins about the praises. He said, let the heavens praise. Let the sun praise him. Let the moon praise him. Let the stars praise him. And then he looked to the earth. He said, let the earth praise him. Let the trees praise him. Then he even speaks to nature. Let the fire praise him. Let the wind praise him. Let the storms, let the lightning praise him. Let the thunder praise him. Oh my, these thoughts that we don't normally think of and yet we're taken back to Revelation, back to that throne room when it says the claps of thunder, the peals of lightning and thunder flashing in that throne room. Have you ever taken the time to think that nature and those times we call storms are in a time of ecstatic praise unto their creator? Wow. Now we know as children, when we hear that thunder and we're a little nervous, one of our parents will come out and say, oh, it's okay, the angels are bowling up there. But it's even grander than that. You see, because he created all things and all things were created for him and for his good pleasure. And it's the psalmist that says, and this is the part that gets it, I want you to stand with me. As he says, he takes pleasure in his people. 